In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Hey, it is Tony Grubmeyer. Welcome to this week's episode of the Be Fulfilled Show. This is episode number 20, and we have Dr. Chris Zeno with us today. He's a world-renowned speaker, author, entrepreneur, and hero. Now, after winning Mr. America in 1998 and being a leader in the fitness industry, he found himself defying a deadly disease in his late 20s. Dr. Zeno leveraged his experience to establish one of the largest health and wellness clinics in the world, seeing thousands of patients per week. I know, could you imagine a thousand per week? But that's true. Teaching mindset and health principles that have allowed thousands of people to finally receive results where other health and medical systems failed them in the past. Now, we're going to talk today a lot about Facebook groups, his courses, his teaching, his marriage. We're going to talk about being a father to amazing kids. We're going to talk about this genius as we climb up Success Mountain. And, you know, Chris, welcome to the show. First question I ask out the gate is what is your definition of success if money wasn't your answer? Tony, the other day I really felt it because you're so right. Like, we got to be reminded of what that is. And I was watching a vlog of Gary Vaynerchuk. You know him, right? So, and you don't even know have to know who he is. Just, just watch it. So he was on stage. He was speaking. And there was someone who asked him a question in the audience. And he had cerebral palsy, right? And he was trying to get online and, and kind of share his story. This guy who triumphed. And he, he runs with cerebral palsy. And he didn't know how to do internet stuff. He didn't know how to do any of the online stuff. And Gary was on stage and says, listen, I'll fly you to New York. I'll pay for it. I'll bring you to my office. And I'll work with you for two days. And it's like, why, like, and I, I like, and I get emotional. So when I get emotional, I know I'm attracted to something that's inside me. And I realized in that moment, I'm like, success is that I have abundance where at any given will, I could give someone else a chance that never, ever would have ever been able to have that chance and to be able to contribute to that. So that to me, like that is why this next act of my life, it's all about to be able to give someone that chance that normally it would have to be a miracle for that to be able to happen. I want to be able to be that kind of miracle maker for some people. You know, I, I love that. I think the abundance piece too, you know, we all today, anybody with an internet, cell phone, have a roof over the head, they have some abundance in their life. It may not be the best life, but they definitely have some things that a lot of people in this world don't have. So I want to go to that space really quick. Give me a little glimpse into your upbringing, your childhood, maybe your family. So we can get some context about you, your mission, and how we can live in that abundant mindset and also an abundant life. It's funny. That's the name of my office. <laughs> so I grew up, grew up in New York. You know, parents, they were together great. You know, it was in the time where I was always worried about my dad leaving me because I was the youngest. So he was 45 years old when he had me, 45. So, I mean, my dad, you know, he was old, you know, when he got older and older and he was retired from the Air Force. So I really had my dad in his best years. And he died when I was uh, in 1999 of a cancer at 68. I was 21. But my dad was really my hero. I mean, I, I didn't work out to look like Arnold. You know, my dad worked out. I wanted, you know, I was really, I emulated my dad. I want to be just like my dad. And so when he left at 21, it was rough because there was just so many other things I wish, well, I really needed a dad for in my life. And I think because I lost my dad young, in my 20s, I... I was always a good coachable student and I would find mentors in my life and I would be super coachable. And I realized that 
the reason why I was so coachable because I was looking for another father figure in my life because I quite didn't have my dad. So what I was, the reason why I was so coachable, it's not the success that I gained. It was, I just wanted the pat on the back of another father figure or man to say, good job. And I realized, and even though that got me success in my years, just that was my reward, just the thumbs up from someone that was a peer or a mentor. But I realized over time that the world needed me, not a counterfeit of somebody else. And I kind of went through that phase where it's like, you know, I'm the man now, you know, I had my sons and everything like that. It's, it's okay for me to become my own unique person. And even though emulating is great, and even though mentoring is great, it still could be a counterfeit version of somebody else. And I was not really allowing myself to be who I was truly created to be and to give the world who I was. What was it like winning Mr. America 1998? For you, what was that like? And I asked this question because it's yeah. preface it with 99 losing your father. Yeah. What was that like in 98 yeah. for you? Imagine you have a goal and you work so hard for the goal and the actual goal happens. Like that's what it feels like. It feels like winning the race. It feels, it feels like winning the Olympics. It's amazing. I wish everybody has something in their life that they felt they won at because the feeling is so amazing. But the fact that you could touch that, it's complete. You know what I mean? Like you did all the work, you did everything. And, and third place is cool and second place is cool. But when you hit it, it's something that you visualize for months getting ready for it. It was just the perfect icing on the cake. It was complete. And the fact that I had that win, I could always be motivated by myself to really go and yearn for that same feeling again. So when I, when I would pursue another goal, whether it be practice or school or anything I wanted to go for in my life, because I had that win of what it felt like. You know, it was addictive and it was, it was great. But the fact that I had that, I knew I could get there again. And it, it really, I, I developed principles basically that I kind of live my life by going to anything I did in my life, whether it be before that I was, I won top honors in piano when I was younger in New York. And then you have Mr. America. And then later on beating a life-threatening terminal disease. All these challenges, when you beat it, just every time you win, that's why like winning becomes a habit. It's a character trait. It's not something you do once in a while. It was just an amazing feeling, just like you won the lottery or anything like that. It was, it was great. Yeah, I could envision kind of the winning and setting the goal and making that a habit. Oh, yeah. Like I'm a three-time All-American in, in a water polo. It was a sport I played. And I remember early on when I would get out of the pool and I'd been in for six hours and people go, Why? Well, because I want to be a champion at everything that I do at such a high level. What were some lessons that you were able to instill in yourself in the gym late at night when no one else is there or when you're in your maybe in front of a mirror posing or you're doing the work when no one else is looking at you? What are some things that you were beginning to have that self-talk about? Hey, Chris, you can do this. What were some of those conversations early on like? Well, the first thing was I was really big on visualization, but when I say visualization, it's not just, oh, kind of, it's a good thought, it's a good idea. I literally, I made the picture crystal clear in my head until I literally felt it with all my other senses, meaning like you just didn't see it, you felt it. And it got to the point where either I got goosebumps or I got emotional. Like that's, that's the type of dreaming you have to do. It's not a good idea. It's like, I am feeling that. And I believe that when your body gets a physiological response from a dream or a vision, your body doesn't know the difference. So it's like, so I'm really big on visualization to the point of feeling it, tasting it, smelling it, and like becoming emotional about it. Another thing, it's one of kind of my favorite lines I give to myself, Nathaniel Brandon used to be kind of with Ayn Rand, you know, with uh, Atlas Shrug. He was a great kind of counselor. And when people were victimized and they would come to him, and that's what I'm talking about, a victim is when we start blaming the circumstances, now we lose our power, we become the victim. And he used to tell his, his students, no one's coming to save you. 
And it was such a profound statement because if I could tell myself, Chris, no one's coming to save you. That means I got to become resourceful. I have to take personal responsibility. And I imagine like if you were in the ocean and you're by yourself and you're like, no one's coming to save you, you have to pull out, like you become creative with re- and resourceful to find ways to make it happen. So, you know, that no one's coming to save me was an, another big one. And I really became known recently for a term I quote is I call it be a potentialist, not a perfectionist. A lot of times I would say I was a perfectionist a lot of times. And that, and I realized that was just an excuse of me not moving forward. You know, it was, a, it was my way of procrastinating. But when you're a potentialist, it means all you could ask of yourself is today when we're speaking right now, I could only offer you the best I have with what I got in the moment I got it. And as long as I could do that and feel really good that I gave the best I did in this moment at this time, then that's what I'm responsible for doing. So when you got on the treadmill, when it came time to eat, if you were sore, if you were tired, it's like, as long as I do the best I can with what I got, it doesn't have to be perfect. The present moment, that is such a powerful thing because so many people, oh, if I do this and I'll get this and one day I'll be this. And I'm looking through kind of a little bit of your bio, looking at stuff that you believe and how you teach and and your message of wanting to reach hundreds of thousands, you know, through your platforms, how to help some of those people sleepwalking through life to awaken to their true potential, their possibility of greatness that's inside of them. You say, talk about planting seeds. You talk about helping people to see themselves maybe better than they currently see themselves. So you're in your 20s, your dad passes, you're talking about cancer and I just want to say, like, I lost my father several years ago, and it's, it's one of those things that I went to for many years of my life. I was disengaged from my father. I was seeking a parenting or father figures. So mentors, coaches, did they fill a void for you? I'm just kind of curious because your 20s, we're talking, then something in your late 20s happens where you, you get this disease that's basically deadly, and, and now we're talking to you. So obviously, you didn't die. You look good. You look like you're still in your yeah. 20s. But now that you've got this, you've got this core belief system that's instilled in you, but from the time of your father passing until later in your twenties, what happened along that way in your path, your journey? What was some of the guiding principles that really maybe somebody stepped in or did you just figure out how to do a lot of this on your own? No, I, I, no one stepped in. I stepped out. So I got a little reckless, you know, and that's just, that's the way I just dealt with things. Just getting a little reckless. And all I did in my life is provide contrast. (laughs) And I really always believed there was real no failure just allowed me to specify what I did like. Uh, Everybody thinks there's failure. There's no failure. It just clarifies who we are and what we want to do. So around 26, met my wife. And about six months into our marriage, I started going to the bathroom every day. So I I just thought I had a stomach flu. Then I started bleeding every time I went to the bathroom. And that didn't stop. And so I played Google MD and I go online. I said, I type in, you know, blood and stool. And the first thing that comes up is, is cancer. So I'm like, wow, you know, I had a dad die of cancer. Uh, My grandfather died before a year before I was born. And I'm like... You know, I just didn't think 26 was going to be the time. So I just didn't say anything and it just got worse and worse and got to the point where I couldn't even hold my bowels in public. I'm going to the bathroom 14, 15 times a day. It's blood. It's mucus. It's just nasty. And I lose my bowels in public in this department store. And that was the day my wife found out because I had to call her to pick me up. And, you know, we went to the hospital and they knocked me out. They did colonoscopy and they diagnosed me with an incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. And they gave me all these drugs and medications. It wasn't working. I went to the top doctors in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas. And I was a week and a half away of, they said, listen, we got to remove your colon, otherwise you're going to die. And, uh, and they said, you're still going to have an 80% chance of cancer. They said I was sterile. I'd never be able to have children. I'd be on $4,000 with the medication for the rest of my life. It just it was just not a good thing. And my mom lost two sons at this point. So this is son number three that she's losing. And uh, 
That was it. And so uh, someone, my mom sends out that prayer email and everybody said, you know, pray for the doctor's hands and all that. But one person who was my anatomy teacher from 10th grade in high school goes, I want to see your son, Chris, when he comes into town because I went to see my mom before the surgery. I was, I went from 230 pounds to 158 pounds in four months. So I was literally wasting away. And then when I got to my mom's house and I had to wear like masks everywhere I went because I was on three different organ rejection medication. And I knew that if I had surgery, if you're going to cut out my colon and I'm on three different organ rejection drugs, my immune system shot, I just, there's no way bacteria is not going to get an infection in me. So I just knew it was not good. And then my anatomy teacher is like, listen, I want you to go see my doctor. He's a corrective care chiropractor. And to me, like it was so absurd. I mean, hopefully you guys are going through this journey with me thinking like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Because there was no way. I thought a chiropractor was like a massage therapist. And I'm like, listen, I appreciate you, but I tried everything. Then he told me this. So maybe when he said, did someone enter my life? Yeah. Watch this. So he tells me, he's like, you didn't try everything. He goes, because if you tried everything, you would have had your health. It's like, damn, he's right. Like, I, you know, perfect coach. I'm like, all right. So I want to see this guy, Dr. Roger. And he just taught me on how the body was created to heal, function, operate, everything like we know. Our brain controls everything. He took pictures of my spine. I saw my spine. It was a wreck, my lower back, and those nerve roots go to your colon. And I said, listen, when am I going to get better? Because all I want to do is have results. And here was another good line I learned in my life. And he goes, listen, I, he goes, the day and the hour you want me to tell you that you're going to get better, I can't tell you. He's like, but as long as your body, if you're not changing the equation, if you're not correcting the problem, the root cause of the problem, the body doesn't have the chance to heal. But once you choose to correct your problem that you have, allow the body to function in the proper healing environment, then your body will get well if you don't quit on yourself. But the day and the hour, it's up to you and your body. I'm like, fair, good answer. I mean, that was, because you know what? It was an honest answer. Everybody was telling me, once we give you this drug or that drug, or once we remove your colon, it was just like, and then it was just... <laughs> false expectation after false expectation. So, you know, five months later, six months later, seven months later, the blood stopped. It was off the drugs and my body healed itself from an incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. And that is when I said, well, this must be my purpose now. So I went back to school. I got my uh, doctorate in chiropractic. And in 2005, Whitney and I opened up our office in Houston, Texas. And in the last 13 years, we've seen over 2,000 people per week. 2,600 was the highest we saw per week becoming the largest clinic in the history of the profession. And it was all because one person took the time to tell me. You know, it's funny. Like, you're so right. Like, during your life, it only takes one person to say something at a certain moment, as long as you're receptive, that could truly change everything. Yeah, you talk about teachable, right? Being coachable yeah. and teachable. The abundant miracle... We're talking to Dr. Chris Zano today. And one of the things that I love, oh, is it, yeah, it's a massage, right? Like that's what it is. And then you yeah. s- decide after you, your body heals itself, which it can do. And so many people are like, no, nah, no, I got it to be on all these drugs. You know, the doctor told me if I do this. The second thing, my grandfather was a brain surgeon until 90 years old. He was an assistant brain surgeon. Then he passed at 93. He always said, you want to find a doctor or person in your life that pushes pen to paper, somebody who is thinking, not just prescribing, somebody who's willing to go deeper than just, oh, let me write you a script. You'll be good for you. Don't worry about it. If it works, great. You'll live. If not, you'll die. But hey, that's life. And it sounds like this person was the challenge, the change, kind of the biggest change thing that you had in a long time in your life. I just want to tell you, man, it's, it's an honor to talk to you because people don't usually come back from something uncurable. Yeah. They usually are gone and that's it. And then their legacy lives on. I want to talk a little bit about your wife, Whitney, finding you kind of in a department store or whatnot at this lowest point for you when you went from in the 200s down into the 150s and you now have to talk to your wife about what's going on with you. That's a hard thing to say is I need help. You're a strong man. You're, you're a strong guy. So 
How was that process for you and your relationship with Whitney at that time? You know, when you're going through something, you don't want to burden other people. So you kind of minimize what's really going on. And, uh, you know, when I saw her, you know, this is the whole thing, you know, newlywed. So this whole future of marriage, what was that look like? You know, happy marriage, beautiful family, all these other things. You know, now we're faced that it's gone. We're faced with insurmountable medical debt that we'll never be able to get out of. Just looking back, so it's been it's 15 years now, or 16 years. Looking back, if I didn't make that decision not to do the surgery, so if I would have done the surgery, what I try to tell people, my patients is, if I went and I did that surgery, Terry, I, you know, maybe I would have been here, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I would have been buried, maybe I wouldn't have, you know, just maybe I would have been dead. But all I know is I wouldn't have known the last 16 years of my life, like everything that has happened to me in the last 16 years, I wouldn't be able to mourn it because I wouldn't have known any better. I think so many people, they make choices and they miss out on such a huge potential and reality that their life they could have, but we don't mourn what we never experienced. And so just looking back in 16 years to be able to be able to take care of my wife, be able to you know have two beautiful boys that I was supposed I would never be able to have, they're 11 and five, to have my health, to be able to help thousands and thousands of people live their health and their lives and impact hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Just think from one choice, all that would have vanished. We wouldn't be talking. And you know what? I wouldn't have known any different. That's, that to me is one of the scariest things in life, that the life that people should and could have had and were worthy of having for whatever BS they believed or whatever you know, situation they thought they couldn't get over they would have never known the life they could have. So, you know, looking back, I mourn the life I'm having now if I made the wrong choice. And I try to paint that picture to people to say, you know, the disease you have isn't who you are. That's just an experience in your life to allow you to gain character, to gain clarity in the life you do want. But sometimes people are so rough on themselves, they just allow themselves to be a victim and, and they never come out of it. So true. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking today to Dr. Chris Zeno, now an international speaker, author, and a mindset expert. Chris has shared his message of wholeness, mind, body over 4,400 times. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more. The things that I'm left with are ready right here, right now, that we are just awakening this giant, this gentle giant's going to come back. We're going to share more. We're going to come down the mountain of life and success and business. We're going to talk about seeing thousands of patients each and every week. We're going to talk about his kids and what's it like to be a father, how he lost two brothers. We're going to continue the journey but the thing that I'm, I'm not only left with that this giant is awoken, I'm talking to a miracle today. I'm talking to somebody who is helping you to see yourself as a miracle as well, wherever it is on your journey right now, that anything's possible. And sometimes the best medicine you'll receive is the medicine you already have inside of you. And we're going to tap into that greatness when we come back on the Be Fulfilled Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. It is Tony Grubmeyer, and we are back today with Dr. Chris Zeno. This is one of those inspiring stories that tells you anything is possible if you dig deep enough inside. And looking at this gentleman today, his arms are swollen. He is in impeccable health today. When at one moment, was really sitting there not knowing if he was going to live another day with an incurable disease, somehow through, I believe, the strength within, 
and a lot of prayers. We are talking to somebody today who has a story to share. Being a keynote speaker, world-renowned, over 4,400 times, he's shared his message, his story of hope. His clinic has seen, at the height, over 2,600 patients in a week. He's married. He's got two incredible, amazing kids he calls superhero sons. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about one of the questions he answered prior to coming onto the show. I said, you know, what is one of the most challenging or business experiences that you had to overcome? So we talked about the incurable disease. We're talking to him today. So we know that he's accomplished that. But then over here in this business box, checking off all of the boxes of success, right? But yet secretly feeling depressed burnout and numb and allowing himself to leave the comfort of that identity to pursue happiness and fulfillment. That's what I want to talk to you really about today as we come down success mountain before we jump into the fulfillment round about the pursuit of happiness. I know there's movies and tons of articles about it. What have you found in your pursuit of happiness? Number one, I love this interview. This is great. So yeah, we brainstorm now, right. You think you beat this disease. I find this career and now you think this, it's very safe. Well, this is it. So we crush it. We crush it for years. And I said, you're right. I checked off all the boxes. Everything society told me in life or what I thought in the movies, everything we were supposed to do, I checked off, right? Wife, check. Kids, check. Business, check. Financial security, check. All the time to do everything I want in the world. Check, 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 check. Everything's there. But yet I'm having a silent conversation within myself because I'm slightly depressed. Am I burnt out? I'm numb. I thought I'm going through a midlife crisis and I really questioned my why. I was like, well, why am I doing this? Right? Get back to that why. Well, I want to help people. And it just, I was just feeling calloused. And one day I was sitting in my office and in the other room, I heard my son, Justice, go to his mom. He goes, mommy, what happened to daddy? And I knew I couldn't hide it anymore. As, try, as much as I was trying to hide inside, like everybody knew something was wrong. And I just secluded myself, kept on asking that word, why, why? And then it just came out of me, it just came out of me, go, you know why? Because I want to be admired for achieving great things and giving something back to the world that it's never seen before. That's why. And as selfish as that why sounded, for the first time, I felt my heart melt a little bit. It opened up a little bit. And so I got on my phone and I looked up admired, achievement, contribution. I was just looking, because I want to know what those words that are coming out of me mean. And I'm scrolling down Google and I see the definition of hero. And I said, hero. And I, I was like, I looked at it and said, the definition of hero is one who is admired or idealized for courage, contribution, outrageous achievement, and nobility. I looked at it. I was like, oh my God. I go, that's me. Like that, that's like almost my purpose statement. It made so much sense. And then I was awoken to the fact in that moment that that was the theme my entire life. No, I was the kid in the superhero pajamas. I worked out to look like a hero. I won Mr. America, Mr. Universe to have a superhero title. I beat that incurable disease to then later go on to become a doctor. Why? Because I wanted to go save lives. So in the definition, I had the achievement part and I had the contribution. But what I didn't have is the courage. And it was the courage to allow myself to become the person I was truly created to be. And I guess in my career, I kind of put on a secret identity. And all that is, is a less than watered down version of your truth. See, I found my identity over time in being the doctor. The job was my identity. So therefore, for me to extend my reach into the world, to be a thought leader, to give the world something never seen before, even outside the health and wellness field, it meant that I had to leave the comfort of my lane, the comfort of my job. Therefore, if I left that, that meant I lost my identity. So I just got scared. I shrunk and I mourned. And in that moment, I know I wasn't depressed, numb, or, or disengaged. I was just grieving my potential that entire time. That was the feeling. Wow. Grieving yeah. your potential. Yeah. And also along the way, 
trying to figure out your purpose, right? Because yeah. now that you've done all these things, I, I see, I don't think there's been a challenge in your life that just you shared today that I'm like, yeah, I don't think this guy could overcome. I'm thinking like to myself, I don't think I could squat, you know, five, 600 pounds. I don't think I could bench three, 400 without somebody spotting me. Now I look to you to go into the gym and I think two, three, 400 pounds, no big deal. You can do it all day by yourself. But I think that now on your journey, you've got this partner, you've got this wife, you've got this person beside you because, you know, look, like you were, you were saying early on, like you lost your father. So you were seeking. So then you found, and then you had kind of trials and tribulations. I can't even begin to imagine what it was like to lose two brothers. I can't even fathom what that would be like for you, but also for your mom who then also lost her husband. Yeah. or partner or like, you know, at that time. Yeah. So I'm thinking about you and I don't want to put you into a box, but man, if I did, it would be a superhero box. And that hero would be the person of that little kid running around in his PJs, jumping off the bed from bed to bed and have that look in your eye saying, I can accomplish anything. I have a belief that who cares about kryptonite? I, you know, I'm the flash. I'm going to, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to achieve everything and no obstacle has stopped you. And I think that's the gift today on this show is that obstacles come and you keep just knocking down the hurdles and you're like, I'm not done yet. What else do you have to give to me? What else are you bringing me? What other fight do you have that you need me to battle? But then I look at like your wife, like here's a confident young woman married to you while you dealt with all of this stuff and you said you felt numb and you felt like I needed to figure this out. And now you're doing this with a partner and that's such an amazing gift. And I mean, so many people get married these days but they're not really married. They're stuck because they went on a journey together. And I'm looking at you and I'm listening to you and I am just honored to be with abundance today of somebody who's pursuing happiness, but also he knows inside him as anything is possible because that's what you coach and teach. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I've got for you, and I think it should be interesting for you to be able to answer, your wife's sitting beside you. You got to grab her hand and you got to tell her what? for being on this journey with you. What would you tell your wife to the audience? Now, I don't want you to answer this question like, hey, Whitney, I love you. You're, you're the best. Thanks. How would you grab your wife's hand in this moment and saying, this is why I'm where I'm at today because of what with our relationship? What we always tell each other is, hey, at the end of the day, when the dust clears, it's just you and me. I mean, and that was just something because running a business, everything we've been through, there's been a lot of crap. And just when the dust settles, you know, it's basically just her and I. All right. So what's the business like for you today? Like, what is your primary focus? Is it the office? Is it going in every single day, having the most world-renowned facility, seeing thousands of patients? What is Chris's kind of main focus in business right now? Well, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm allowing myself to just be who I was always created to be. I'm getting the courage and the, you know, the achievement. And now most importantly, allowing myself to become that. So we moved to Park City, Utah. So my clinic in Houston is rocking. Uh, I got two great doctors in there. So when I embraced it here, I created the I Am Hero Project. So it's basically what we're talking about today. We're, you know, just talking to people who may have felt that they checked off the boxes. And and really, everything I went through, I put into a four-step methodology called Hero Rises, where the concepts I teach that anybody could destroy their secret identity and, and they could allow their hero to rise through, number one, embracing the hero mindset. Just embracing that. We've got to know our truth first. Number two, when you do that, then we've got to maximize our superpowers. You know, we all have unique gifts and talents. You know, the, I mean, really, one of the purposes of the hero is to 
discover, should I say remember, your gifts and talents. And then it's, our life is to develop those and focus on those. And then our mission is to be able to give our gifts and talents to the world in abundance for the benefit of others. And then from there, we need to find, like a hero has a vehicle, every hero has a vehicle, like Batman has a Batmobile. But I believe we need to choose a vehicle of influence to serve the world. Yours is voice and podcasting. Mine is video and speaking. Someone might be an amazing writer. Find your vehicle. Everybody says, well, I can't do video. It doesn't matter. You're a great writer. So you got, what is that vehicle that you could get your message out? And with social media today, they have a platform for everything. So get that, choose that vehicle, go all in on that. And then finally, Here's the big deal. Everybody would love to do what they want to do. Oh, I wish I could do that. But everybody says, but how am I going to make a living on it? So this is where the fourth pillar is where you team up with other superheroes so you can monetize your message for the survival of your legacy. Mm. Because what starts to happen, everybody, see, this is the thing. People, I know people are inspired listening to this right now. You're pumped. You're excited. You're like, I'm going to go for it. But then what happens after this podcast, you start to think of what I call in fears and fogs. The fears and fogs are things in your life that you get inspired. Then you say, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to run a podcast. I don't know how to speak. And then you start to focus on the things you don't know how to do. And the longer you focus on that, then you know what? You go back to the comfort and the torment of what you've been doing that you know you need to move past. So this is where we team up with superheroes. What I mean to superheroes, if I want to go into podcasting and voice is my vehicle, then I'm going to, I'm going to learn from the best on how to do that, whether it be a program, online, get them to personally help me, I'll apprentice. So now everything I'm afraid of, everything I have, I'm not sure of, I write them down and those fears and fogs become your goals. Because now you're like, here's the only thing that are standing in my way from living the life that I was created to live. And I'm sure going to find the help from other superheroes to clear those things off my plate so I can live my life and do what I have to do before giving up and going and shrinking back into that secret identity, which is just less than watered down version of truth. Right on. I mean, I think what you're talking about today is the stuff that a lot of people skim over. They don't want to go deep because they're afraid of maybe that they don't have what they want yet and they give up and they quit on themselves. And you're not somebody who's quit. You're somebody who's fighting every single day of the battle. So what's the transition been like for you from, you know, Texas to Utah? How's that been? No, it's been great. It's a transition. And, you know, you find out there's things you, you got to say no and let go of good things to pursue great things. And I think the tough part of the transition was when I'm letting go of that secret identity and what that was rooted in, and it's letting go, like you realized where you found your identity and you have to let it go. So I could actually step into what I'm doing now to be able to speak and travel, create the programs we're creating and work with the people I work with now in the I Am Hero Project. It's a different stage of life because what's, I know I could always go back to practice. I know I could, old, I could do and, and rock the same thing I've been successful at, but also at the same time, there was a reason why I felt I was grieving my potential. I knew there was something bigger. And now when I started, right, getting my message out there and choosing my vehicle of influence and you know, going to different stages and speaking, and then I had the reaction from the audience or the doors that have opened up, there, there's little unknowns along the way. And I embrace the unknowns because in the unknown, everybody's afraid of, well, what's going to happen? Well, the unknown is where the next step's at. It's where the relationship's at. It's where the, the gold is at, the opportunity's at. So all these unknowns start to open up when you start pursuing what your truth is and then you really start to get the feedback and you could sit back and see the confidence that what you're doing is the right thing to do. So, you know, you might not be monetizing immediately right off the bat, but it's the happiness factor. Like people don't understand, like 
when you're grieving your potential and then you start doing something you love, even if it's an hour a day, I'm not telling you to quit your job. If you work nine to five, and let's say from five to six you write, or from five to six you do a podcast, or from five to six you go on a Facebook Live and speak, you know, what's in your heart. What happened? Like you sweat, you have more energy, like you tap into a zone, and that happiness factor is worth everything. So if you could just find that happiness factor, and then everything else is going to follow after that. Yeah, definitely. You were talking a little bit before the show about a course and talking yep. about time, and so many people are trying to manage their time and they're trying to get more time. Talk a little bit about that course today. Yeah, I have a couple courses. You know, if you go to IamHero.com, we have a course called One Month to Live. It's free. This is all give. There's no ask here. And because, you know, video is my vehicle. So instead of writing an ebook that would take me forever, I was like, I could just sit and do 20 little videos and you do one video a day for, you know, during the week with little exercises to do to get in the habit of winning. But when it comes to time, what I call time expansion, you know, I learned to think in seconds, meaning that, you know, I can't make more time. That's actually our greatest commodity. It's not money, it's time. I can't make more time. So when you realize you can't make more time, it's like, how can you make each second more efficient? Or what things do I need to let go of? Or what things do I need to delegate? So now I expand time. So whether I delegate or just get rid of negative income producing activities, so I could expand the time to fill it up with you know, what I call high income producing or even better lifetime legacy producing activity. So lifetime legacy could be having, that's more, I call that more experiences in your life. Like Jim Rome said it best. He's like, what life should be is a bunch of experiences back to back as close to one another as possible wedged into that, that little frame called life. And I just really love that. That's where you want to have experiences. Like my son could read about something in a book or I could take him to go see it and speak at the same time and he'll have an experience that a school would never teach him. So, you know, it expands the time so you have the time to do the things that mean most. So true. And I love that piece about what is it being taught today in our education system. It's one of the most kind of talked about topics on our shows. We said like, what do you think's missing in today's education? What do you think's missing when your kids are going to school? So many people now are homeschooling their kids because they're, they're not getting the education that they thought that they should be getting. What kind of courses would you be teaching today if you had the opportunity to rewrite some of the curriculum for education or things that you'd be teaching in school? Well, that's right. I think let's just take a step back. When we were, when I looked at my kids or when you, and really it was us when we were kids, if we have kids, you look back, kids are what? They're optimistic. They're imaginative, they're playful, they're uh, positive, they have self-esteem, they have pride, they have ego, they're relentless, they're closers. My kids close me 100% of the time. And you know what? They question limitations. Go to bed, it's eight o'clock, and they tell you why. What's their number one question? Why? Why? They always question why, why, why? So they have all these amazing qualities. I'm like, these kids never went to a Tony Robbins seminar. They never read a book on personal development. But they, So it proves that all those things you see in kids, those qualities are innately in you. You're born with those. So what the heck happened from that to now? So in the 40s, it's the te- I call it the teachers, the preachers, the institutions, all these other things. We're kind of conformed. We're conformed to fit in. We don't raise our hands anymore. We don't want to answer a question wrong. So we kind of get boxed into this little secret identity, we put on this fake suit to conform and fit in, and that really creates that secret identity. We're told what to do and what to think, and we're never allowed to think for ourselves and really understand who we were created to be. How many people get to 30 or 40 and they look in the mirror and they say, who am I? Because all they are is, you know what? I lived out my mom's dream for me. She told me to go to college. I lived out my dad's dream for me, or my friends thought I should do this. So no one really lived the life they were created to live. They live other people's values for their life, and they wonder why they're unfulfilled. A lot of times in 30s and 40s, people look in the mirror, and it's the first time they're really introduced to themselves. And it's very tough to say, I got to actually 
know who I am now. And so I would say in school, I really think, well, I, I think apprenticing is the best thing in the world. So I would give kids a buffet of life. You know, if I just eat chicken and rice every single day, I can't tell you what food I like because I only know one thing. So if we could give kids just an array of experiences and whatever ones they gravitate towards naturally and then help go in all that. If my son wants to be a karate, instru- a karate kid, you know, then I'm going to find the best teacher for him and then he'll apprentice underneath them. So I think apprenticeship from people who have skills and experiences. That's how I built my largest clinic. I went around the world to the best offices in the world and I used the Bruce Lee quote. Bruce Lee used to have a quote that says, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and then make it uniquely your own. So I went around to the best. I slept on their floor. I worked for them for free and I learned what the most successful were doing and I just kind of innovated it. And it saves so much time and it, it gets rid of all the Remember, we call that time expansion. It gets yep. rid of all the educated nonsense that you really don't need. Yeah, you don't. And so what we're going to do, I want to, we could talk for hours. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. just getting you warmed up and, uh, and I realize, okay, now I got to figure <laughs> out how to, how to pull a couple of things out of you to yeah, allow yeah. the audience to tap into maybe your superhero that we haven't revealed today. If we were to mask you and put you out into the world, what hero would you be playing, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the right. fulfillment round. We're going to come back. We're going to give people a chance to get connected with you. Are you ready to have some fun? Absolutely. Okay, there's no right or wrong. There's no phone a friend. There's gotcha. no worry about it. If you, <laughs> if you don't know the answer, I tell people, make it up. Just don't be the guy who yeah. passes. Just no, be no, the guy who gets gotcha. created with us. All right, Hollywood called. They want to know, Chris, you're in a movie, but your schedule's bad. You got 2,600 patients coming in every week. You yeah, got yeah. 5,000 speaking gigs around the world. Who would play you in Hollywood? And who would also play your wife? Uh, I'd have Sylvester Stallone with a lot of makeup play me uh, in oh Hollywood. <laughs> and then who would play my wife? Who, uh, who played uh, Harley Quinn? Um, uh, uh, Robbie, uh, what's her name? Margot Robbie. That'd be a great wife. Yeah. I love it. If you could travel anywhere in the world and you couldn't get there by plane, but you had to get there by boat, where would you go? Um, anywhere in the world? You know what? I'll try Japan. Japan or China. I'm looking to go. I think that's a whole new world that we could totally explode in. So I love yeah, it. Okay, so they took away your speaking ability. They took away yes. your good looks. There's no uh-huh. movies. There's no nothing yeah. for you in that regards. But you're left to play a superhero in real life. What would that superhero be? So I can't speak. Nope. You have to be just a superhero. You have to, I am Batman. Like, you have to be like the Joker. You have to be, you know, oh. Superman. No, I would do Iron Man. Ooh, I could see you playing Tony Stark. I could see you have that, well, that okay, concept. Okay, can I give you a caveat why real quick? Sure. When Robert Downey Jr., stood in front of everybody in Iron Man 1 and took out the card when he was supposed to say Iron Man was this dude over here. And he looked at the crowd and he goes, I am Iron Man. It changed Marvel's history. Like everybody in the crowd, because you know what? Everybody wants to say I am something special, but we're afraid of what other people think. Or we're afraid it's prideful or egotistical. But it's like, we all want to rise up. Like it could be like, I am special. I am something. So yeah, that's why that became my favorite character. For sure. and, and your website, you said, is it I am hero? What was yep. your website? I am hero.com. Yeah. I love that. And it kind of ties in perfectly with that. All right. So you're in great shape and it's a Thursday afternoon yep. and you're like, you know, I'm not feeling it today. I'm not going to the gym. I just want to go grab my favorite tub of ice cream, bowl of cereal. What would be your little, just kind of sneak away cheat meal? <laughs> oh, my, my, uh, it's definitely going to be a hamburger, you know, hamburger with sweet potato fries and a, uh, a dark chocolate brownie. I love it. All right. So your two kids, tell me something fun about your two kids. Give, you can, I know one's justice. I didn't, get, yes. I didn't pick up the other one's name. Tell, tell me something fun that you love about each one of your kids. 
Well, Justice is just like me. He's a black belt. But I admire about him at three years old. He wanted to go into karate, and he, he did that for seven and a half years with Chuck Norris's like best friend. So we got to meet Chuck Norris, and he got his black belt and went to he went three years in a row, got first place in the world championships, which is so cool. So it's great to see one of your. It's just great to see when your kid and I'm not a karate dude at all, but it's great to see when one of your kids locks on to something and they get that eye of the tiger, and you're like, wow. So I realized my goal is to find out what my kids are obsessed in. And then go all in with them. And then Titus, a very inspirational for my I Am Hero project. My son Titus wears superhero costumes every single day. He's five years old. He's been doing it for three years. He even goes to school in them. I get notes. He cannot wear these costumes. But you know what? Man, I wish I could you know, run around in a superhero costume. So I support his costume wearing every single day. You talked about Jim Rohn and kind yes. of wedging in little bits of kind of, I think, Strength, moments yeah. and experiences. What are some moments and experiences that you're most proud of in the last like 60, 90 days that you've been able to pass on to your kids? When I take my kids to come see me speak and I'm on stage and they just see their dad in his mission, you know, in, in his purpose for him. And I think that inspires them that they're just, you know, it makes them see that they're just not normal kids, that they have the ability to really achieve anything they want. And if I could just show them that they could do that and know that they have the support from me, that it could be whatever it is they want to do. I just, I just want to help them, you know, live out their obsession, whatever they want. So I love taking them places so they could see daddy do his thing. I love it. I'm reminded in Jim Rome talks about, you know, don't miss anything. You know, my parents, my dad was never home on a Friday night. My dad was, you know, at the, at the ball game, he was at the, this or that. And I think, you know what, I'm going to wrap up today's show knowing that Chris, you lived, you came, you felt to the audience today, somebody who is living life. He's not stuck in the, what happened. He's in the, the moments of making things happen. And I love that because I, I think it's inspiring and I'm glad that you were able to, to come onto the show today, break down some of your teachings and, and your courses and the things that you do. And I want to give the audience a chance to reach out to you. Your platforms are vast. You, you can't friend you. So you got to go like <laughs> yeah. a page. So yeah. you got a lot of things happening in your life. So I want to give you that chance right now and then we'll wrap up today's show. Listen, if you guys want to continue this conversation, you could find me on Facebook at my Dr. Zeno fan page. So it's dr. space Z is in zebra, A-I, N is in Nancy O. And that's Dr. Zeno on Facebook. And then same thing, Dr. Zeno on Instagram. That's the two main platforms you'll see me there. I put out content every single day, videos, Facebook lives. And then if you go to imhero.com, I am hero, not I am a hero. You don't want that. It's iamhero.com. You could sign up for one of my many free mini courses for you guys to just, again, keep the conversation going. I answer every one of my comments and every one of my emails. I do not have an automated robot doing that. I'm fully committed to you guys because you don't realize that when you comment or you ask a question and I can answer it, that's my oxygen. That makes me happy. So I want to, so thank you for helping me do that. You bet. All right. That is Dr. Chris Zagno and got a chance to come on today, deliver the goods, the Be Fulfilled Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, please remember this one thing to make today the absolute best day possible. You only have today. If you start thinking about tomorrow, you may lose out. Till next time, make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.